Hi, my name is Sydney Jones. I am the head distiller of Few Spirits in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, so pour a dram, settle in. This is the Cask Chasers podcast. All right, Cast Chasers, so you know I'm a fan of everybody and everything out there. Um, to, I started following this guest uh, a while ago, actually, and her name came up a lot um, in, in groups and people I know in the industry and everything. So um, uh, Sydney is the, she's the head distiller, uh, newly appointed head distiller of one of my favorite brands, uh, Few. Um, if you haven't partaken in anything that Few produces, you are definitely missing out. It's everywhere. You can buy it everywhere. I've never not seen it anywhere. Is that proper English? I don't know. Um, she's part of an all-female production team. Um, she was former treasurer of the U.S. Bartending Guild, distilling director, distiller and director um, of consumer or customer education at Manifest. Um, her her resume goes on and on, and we're going to chat about that. She really is a rock star in the industry and doing really cool stuff. Won a few awards. Maybe we'll bring that up. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but without further ado, and to stop listening to me blabber on, Sydney, happy belated birthday, first and foremost. Thank you yeah. very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was a low key day. Yeah. It's nice yeah. though. I think you distilled that day, right? If I'm, if my stalking um, abilities are correct. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I uh, worked a day shift with a new distiller that I'm training. Um, and from there, I went and had uh, some Italian food uh, with my partner. And then we hit Delilah's, which is the world-famous whiskey bar here in Chicago. Yeah, They have one of the most expansive whiskey collections in um, North America, if not the world, and had some like really off-the-wall incredible whiskeys. Uh, so it was, a, it was a nice birthday. Yeah, I've heard good things about that place. And I, I've yet to I've yet to be I've yet to travel to Chicago. I've, I've laid over yeah. there in a plane. But I mean, I've never gotten to partake. But I, I understand the uh, I've heard a lot of good things about that spot and a, cu- a few other spots. It really is this untapped whiskey uh, mecca out there. There's a lot going on in the world of whiskey. I mean, thanks to the mobsters back in prohibition days. Um, and, uh, God bless them. You know what I mean? Let's not forget the unsung heroes of crime. Um, and doing really cool stuff out there. So Sydney, tell us a little bit about, tell the listeners about, you know, your, your, your beginnings, your, uh, everybody likes an origin story. Um, I assume you were bitten by some radioactive distiller and boom, here you are something along those lines. I I assume exactly what happened. Yep. I was dropped in a vat of Mm -hmm. high proof new make, Mm -hmm. um, as a baby mm-hmm. and then i emerged mm-hmm. fully developed that no. whole that uh, whole song that and dance been, yeah right <laughs> that would have been a cool story um my uh foray into distilling is um a little unconventional but a lot of the distillers that i know and work with and really admire kind of went in a similar unconventional path i think not having a classic you know chemistry or industry uh engineering background can really uh create some um cool opportunities for people to get into distilling that wouldn't otherwise find a route um i've worked with people who are artists teachers and they always have such a unique um take on distilling that i really find super special so i graduated from the university of university of florida with a degree in psychology i was going to be a uh counselor um, I was looking to go to graduate school and get my uh, LCSW. I was going to be a licensed clinical social worker. Me too. Hey. I swear that was my path. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll dive into that later. So No. And I really loved it. Uh, I moved to Kentucky uh, and I was getting ready to pursue a graduate program um, in Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, which Clarksville is like right on the border of Kentucky. So you can kind of use those places interchangeably. Uh, half of the town I was living in was in Kentucky. Half of it was in Tennessee. Um, and at the time, I when I moved up there, as people do when you move to Kentucky, you get really into bourbon. 
Uh, and I didn't know anything about it, but I fell head over heels in love. And there was a, and there still is a world-class distillery in that area called uh, MB Roland. They're one of the older craft operations in the country. They started in 2007 and they produced some really outstanding stuff. Uh, Jackie's ICANN has brought a lot of attention to them recently. Uh, but they uh, were kind enough to offer an enthusiast a, a position um, as an assistant distiller, a retail uh, associate, a tour guide. You wear a lot of hats when you work for a small company. Mm. Um, and they took the time to really uh, kind of foster my my bourbon love and uh, develop my skills as a distiller. Uh, so I was with them for about six months. Um, I had some life circumstances that happened that forced me to move back to my home state in Florida to be closer to my family. So I had to give up the dream job in Kentucky, but I was really fortunate when I moved back at that time, a craft distillery in my hometown, Jacksonville, had just opened up. And I essentially showed up with a resume one day and told them to hire me. And they did. And I worked for them for four years. Um, I did a lot of consumer education for them. I uh, was a distiller for them. I uh, developed a lot of products for them. Um, and then a little over two years ago, um, I was offered a job by Paul Hletko, who is the founder of Few, um, to move up to Chicago. And it was kind of the dream job offer. When Paul offers you a job, you don't really say no to that. Right. So I've been with you for a little over two and a half years now, and I, I love the company. I love what we make. Um, so that's a very abbreviated journey, uh, kind of description of my journey. Well, these journeys, there's always the book version and the film version, and uh, we'll, we'll call that the uh, the trailer to the film version. But um, yeah, yeah, it, you you can read more. Uh, find, you're all over the internet, so I mean, there's plenty to learn and 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 find out. What I dig about people like you, Sydney, is um, there's there's two types of people, and I've 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 had the uh, the fortune of talking to a lot of people in this industry from Scotland, India, America, you name it. I've talked to them. And there's two types of people in this industry, and neither are bad. There's your, what I call the engineer types, which you talked about. Okay. And I love them to death, but they are very hard to interview because they have, they're have they very <laughs> robotic. And um, it's all about the engineering, and it's all about the... The um the math and the and the and the microbiology and all of that stuff, which is cool and interesting, and I want to nerd out about that too. But my favorite people are people like you that that have that definitely have that in your back pocket. But it's more of the art point of view. It's more of the free thinking, free spirit. How do we push the boundaries? How do we do something different? One of my favorite makers is um who I, I falls in the same category to you is Lisa Wicker. One of my wow. absolute favorite people, and um, they're the they're the coolest to talk to because you're coming at this from the point of view of uh, it's not about failing; it's about how much fun can I have creating while still scaring the shit out of myself. You know what I mean? So it, it's a, yeah. a little chaos mixed with a little fun, and I think that comes across in the spirits. To be honest with you, yeah, you can taste it. Yeah. That's something that I tell myself a lot and something, a mantra of mine that I've kind of developed my career around is do the things that scare you because they make you a better person. Mm -hmm. uh, they make you a better distiller. Uh, that's why I moved to Chicago by myself with a U-Haul and a dog and a cat to take this job. I didn't know a single person up here. Um, that's why I like to play around and make some alternative uh, spirits uh, play around with the definitions of what whiskey and gin can be. Um, and I'm really fortunate. I'm distilling at a time in my career where you have these visionaries like Lisa Wicker um, that are creating their, their women that are just absolutely killing the game. They're so friendly. They're so eager to help mentor the next generation. So there's a really, really like beautiful uh, community right now in the distilling industry that uh, is supporting the development of a really cool generation of distillers. And I'm just like wildly thrilled to be in the conversation at all. Uh, I'm really honored to be a part of it. Uh, it's been a really cool journey for sure. 
Well, you you've earned your spot. I mean, you're you're most definitely um, in in the category of the rest of those amazing distillers, women included. But I mean, overall distillers, and you're doing really cool stuff, and people definitely have their eye on you. Um, you, you you're you're with a brand that's one of award its awards, the San Fran 2023 Double Gold, among many. Um, you're creating really cool stuff. But you're doing something in a unique way, which is you're putting whiskeys out there, and this is my favorite thing, and spirits out there that are, I don't want to say adjacent to your typical, you know, bourbons out of Kentucky. You know, everybody knows, every time I talk to somebody, I just got off the phone with a military friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in 20 years, and he's like, you're into whiskey, I've been following your show, and blah, 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 how cool. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm really into it too. Um, I'm drinking, you know, Elijah Craig right now. You know, I really love Wild Turkey. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Four Roses and naming these quintessential brands. And I'm, these are great brands, by the way. Don't, I'm not knocking them. Oh, yeah. But I like to say, yeah, but have you tried, you know, few? Have you tried Penelope? Have you, have you ever thought of, um, and there's these, there's these great brands out there that are popping off the shelf and there are thousands of distilleries out there, you know. Brands like Few give us an opportunity to dip our toe in a water. It, there's more availability out there. Few is on the shelf. It's everywhere. Yeah. And people in the bottle sexy and it's a beautiful, but people are getting this opportunity to taste different regions and different different profiles and then uniqueness, you know, pairing with beer and, and working with coffee and, you know, creating these unique gins, barrel aged gins. And, uh, I think one's a breakfast gin, which I'm learning new things about gin. I didn't even know there was a, I'm just glad there's a breakfast spirit out there for us. Um, <laughs> so you're, you really are with a company and you are doing something that's unique and different and it kind of skirts the sidelines of, um, breaking the boundaries and, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I we need more of you out there doing these cool things and being a part Thank of really you. cool stuff. On that note, too, I'm a big American single malt fan. That mm. single malt yeah. is absolutely breathtaking. It's incredible. It's cool. Oh, my yeah. God. It, oh, my God. So you, you learn to distill. They take you, you know, you're, you're taken under the wing and you, you take on this daunting task of being a mad scientist. What was the most challenging part of distilling for you specifically? What, what was the hardest thing to get over? Um, the hardest part? When was your I got to quit moment? I'm done. I can't. I'm broken. <laughs> oh, man. Every other day when a piece of equipment fails. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think I speak for a lot of distillers. If you do you watch The Bear on mm. Hulu at all, the second season just came out. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's a moment when. Carmi is speaking about the restaurant industry and someone asks him, well, do you love it? Uh, and he says, yes, I do. And he's, and they ask him, does it bring you happiness? And he says, absolutely. No, it doesn't. That is very true for me. <laughs> some That's... days I love it, but it is very hard. Um, the thing that was hardest for me is that, you know, we talked a little bit about me having this artistic mindset. Um, and I don't have a degree in uh, engineering. I don't have a degree in chemistry. So, really forcing myself to learn these uh, very technical skills, these very math-driven skills that I never excelled at in school. Um, That's not something that I naturally lean towards. I'm really just sitting down with chemistry textbooks um, and just drilling it into my brain. Those were very hard moments for me early in my career. And still to this day, I still um, am not naturally gifted with those sciences. So I really have to work a little extra hard to, uh, to store that information away in my brain. Um, so those have been the trickiest parts for sure. Uh, that being said, I think anyone can learn how to do this. I think if you have, um, an eye for detail and a desire to work hard, um, you can learn to be a distiller. I can't teach passion. I can't inspire passion. And an employee that I'm training, uh, but if you are, have a willingness to learn, then anyone can learn this. Uh, and I think that's what makes distilling so cool. Um, and most people don't really realize that. Uh, but yeah, the math and the science part, man. Sometimes I really just like bang my head <laughs> over. Uh, well, you're a psych major laptop. like myself, yeah. so math was not our. Uh, statistics no. almost, that's when I almost quit. Uh, when I was yeah. Quit, yeah. Statistics. Excel kinda. spreadsheets will mm, be the death mm. of me. Yeah. But, but so <laughs> you, you think about it and you know, our, our ancestral distillers weren't 
scientists. They weren't chemists. They weren't mathematicians. You know, these were, you know, women at the hearth, you know, in Scotland and Ireland, you know, mimicking what they learned from old, you know, Druid monks and stuff like that. And then you get to Kentucky and it's, you know, some old guy with one eyeball, you know, putting his hand on the side of a still saying, I think she's ready. You know what I mean? I don't know if he sounded like, what was that accent? But it's, so it's not, I, I think about, I think about that and I, it, it reminds me of musicians, you know, Dave Grohl, I don't know if he still can't, but could not read music. Uh-huh. Um, didn't know what the chords were called he was playing, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of musicians out there that can pick up an instrument and play it and couldn't tell you the music theory and, and you know, the, 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 the notes, they're, what the notes called, they just know what it's supposed to sound like. Your job, Sydney, is to make poison taste good. Um, I sure hope that there's passion and love behind that because if it's just dull science and everything you need and you have to have that stuff you do but if there's no love passion and care again not to say not to repeat myself but you can taste it you can taste when something was just a science experiment versus passion so your your first run as a head as a head distiller um Right. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about that first time that you're at that. You're the captain of the ship. I'm the captain now. You know, what, let, yeah. let's talk about that day a little bit. Tell me, I mean, you're there, you're looking at your machines, you're looking at your still, and it's ready to, you're, that first run comes pouring over. Are you elated? Are you happy, excited, scared, terrified, everything in between? Are we, is, is the fear real at that point, or do you, did you pretty much have it locked in? Um. Yes, to all of the things. Yes, just across the board. Um, Part of my job, uh, especially now that I'm in more of a managerial role, is overseeing um, a staff of other people. Uh, And I work alongside a team of other managers as well. Um, We have several other distillers that are now under me that I've been training. um, And they're all world class. I want to, I cannot be any more clear than this, that especially for a company like few and this has always been the mantra if you ask paul he'll say the same thing it is not a one-man star operation um i could not operate without them uh they make me better and i love the team that i work for uh they are all incredible so talented and together we get to make this really cool stuff uh so it's a dream job in that uh respect um my day-to-day job when I go in um, I'm either on a morning shift or I'm on a night shift Uh, we run uh, four distillations a day uh, uh, six days a week so we do two distillations off of our beer still which is a continuous column we do two distillations off of our uh, finishing still which is a hybrid coda pot still Uh, we do two mashes a day we'll go anywhere between 3,500 to 4,000 pounds of grain that will go through in a single dis, uh, single day's production. And then we fill barrels as well at our distillery and they go and rest at our bottling location. Uh, but we'll fill anywhere between uh, six to 10 barrels a day. So it's navigating through all of these tasks, it's a lot of uh, multitasking. It's a lot of keeping lists in your head uh, which I love. My brain is very much programmed to uh, multitask, to turn it into a game. What things can mm-hmm. I do at the same time? So it, it feels very natural at this point. I've been doing this for a hot minute now. So it feels uh, uh, very easy. Not necessarily easy. No, it's very hard. I take that back. Edit that out. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. easy at all. It feels very natural. Yeah, uh it's a nice order of operations that I adore. Um, even though I'm doing the same tasks every day, uh, it's never not exciting. You're creating something from nothing. You know, I'll, I'll take a, a mash that I, uh, worked on four days before and suddenly it's producing alcohol. Like that's witchcraft and I love it. It's, yeah. it's sorcery. Yeah. yeah. It's something that isn't possible in nature. Like what's not to love about that? Oh my God. It's uh, my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. It'll never not be cool. Uh, and it's nice to few is still very much a, a manual operation. Um, nothing about what we do is automatic. So I'm still doing by hand all of the tasks. I'm making cuts by hand. I'm mashing and grain by hand. I'm driving the forklift. I'm filling barrels by hand. Like nothing is automatic. 
um, which is equal parts exhausting, but also very gratifying because you really feel like you are handcrafting this product. Um, and there's a lot of pride that I take in that. Um, so that's my day to day. I'm also staring at like a schedule and trying to schedule people. I'm also putting in grain orders. I'm also troubleshooting when things do not behave correctly. Um, I'm a celebrated janitor. I, I do a lot of cleaning, you know, that sort of thing. A Jill, so a Jill, we, of, all, Jill of all trades. Exactly. There it exactly. is. There it is. Um, that I, I, I like that that mentality of, I mean, look, nothing's wrong with automated. Eventually we all want to get to a place because automated means you're producing a lot. Um, yeah. but the fact that you're putting your hands on it and you're conducting this orchestra, you know, it's got to feel good to know that that's you and that bottle and that's your team, which yeah. we don't want to take away from the team because obviously without them, you know, you can't do. Um, so uh, let's go back a little bit to that, that psych background. I'm really, that's, I've, I've met very few people that, um, went that path and then the LCSW path and everything like that, which is really neat. Um, none of it. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. We found something else. Does psychology play a role? Do you find yourself utilizing what you learned in college to, to think through, to process, to, to manage? I mean, do I like to think psychology helps me do this? Cause here I am. I'm not trying to talk you off a cliff or anything. And I'm trying no. to talk you into drinking versus out of it, which is also counterproductive to psychology. But uh, I digress. Um, is it there? I mean, is it? Do you still? Is that? Do you? Do you find that degree is still valuable? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for several reasons, um, I do a lot of consumer-facing events where I am talking about drinking, where I'm doing education with people on our brand on whiskey in general, on gin in general, because um, I specialize in gin production as well. Uh, so a lot of my job, in addition to production, is just um, teaching people how to drink. Uh, that sounds very uh, basic, but there's a lot that goes mm -hmm. into it. Um, I'm not teaching people how to take shots. I'm not teaching people how to hold their alcohol. I'm teaching people how to appreciate it with their palate. Um, and a lot of our olfactory senses, our, our smell and our taste, they're linked directly to our limbic system. Um, and our limbic system, from an evolutionary standpoint, is one of the oldest systems that we have. Um, it has remained um, throughout our evolutionary uh, lifespan as a species. And it's directly con connected to memory and emotion. Um, so when I'm telling people how to taste and I'm pulling out all of these crazy flavors from a spirit and people are really having trouble kind of picking out specific flavors... I always really like to hammer in, like, don't think of a word. You're not going to come up with a word. That's called language olfactory interference. It's not a direct neural pathway for you. Mm. Um, a memory, however, is what does this spirit remind you of? Um, you're going to be able to pull out flavors that you didn't know that you had because the human memory is such a complex thing. Every one of us has a very, very unique set of tasting vocabulary that is as individual as your own fingerprint um so really exploring that path tasting is all about psychology mm. uh, and most people don't realize that you think it's very much um just a sensory experience but it is extraordinarily psychological and that's fun to dive into especially with people that don't really realize that and ha seeing that light bulb moment is very very interesting there's also a huge discussion psychology wise within the industry right now um for distillers on mental health. Uh, so burnout, alcoholism, anxiety, imposter syndrome, all of these like hot button topics that we see just as a culture, um, you see a lot of them concentrated with distilling professionals as well. Um, so I'm really hoping to do a, a little bit more focused research in the coming year on um, distiller related um, psychology in, in the context of mental health and creating a more robust, resilient team um, that's a little healthier from a psychological perspective. So, Wow, that, that answer was top-notch by far. <laughs> Thank the, you. That was incredible. I, that's my wheelhouse. I love, I love, yeah. I, I, I can't, I, when I'm thinking through a tasting with somebody or a group or whatever, uh, I'm always reminded by, uh, Peggy No Stevens because she walked me through a tasting um, and really opened my eyes to pretty much what you just said 
that mental connection to spirits and to tasting in general. And what I tell people is when you're tasting, you know, the first step to tasting is be happy. Um, because you need to be smiling, you need to be in a good, you, you need to be in a good place. I think alcoholism is, is a terrible, terrible disease. But what's happening with alcohol is people are just like anything else that's, you know, a band-aid. They're connecting it to a, a trauma or some type of darkness. So if you want to taste a spirit and you want to enjoy it, it's the exact opposite. Put it in a good place. Be surrounded by people you care about, good people, good friends. That's the first step to tasting. If, you know, if you're here against your will, um, well, we should call the police because that's a whole different conversation. But if, if you if this if if you're not ready, I can't I can't help you like this if it's not if it's not for you. I have a bad attachment or had to tequila, like most people, for the same reason most people have a bad. Um, I'm sure there are cities I'm no longer allowed in because of tequila. I just can't remember what they are at this time. So. But whiskey, I didn't want to do that to myself. Um, I, I started drinking whiskey when I was in the Marine Corps, and I had, was lucky enough to have a, um, a sergeant that was a mentor and a, you know, a leader um, to me. He liked whiskey, but he liked to sip it and enjoy it. And that was his thing, you know, really get to know what's in your glass. Don't just throw it back to get drunk. Experience it, and then let's have a good time. Let's laugh. Let's talk. Let's play. And it really changed that dynamic for me. So psychology is 100% um, a big part of it. That whole thing with, you know, connecting the way we behave to what we drink and what we eat, I think people take that for granted a little bit. Um, Not to go on my rant, but the reason I have a show is because for whiskey is because it's one of those beautiful spirits that's so dangerous and can do such so so such bad things, and at the same time, it can be so beautiful, made by amazing people that really do have care. And for my listeners to hear you talk about mental health in this environment, and I hear this conversation a lot in this industry, that's a beautiful thing, Sydney. That's that's you caring about your consumer, not just hey, I hope they like it, but truly that whole drink responsibly has meaning and depth. So, uh, bravo on that. Um, when you're when you're when you're tasting a whiskey, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about your perspective of tasting. When when you're trying to guide people through notes or memories or what, well, let's let's back up a little bit. How should somebody taste? I mean, not what should they taste, but let's let's start off with the basics. I've we've chatted about this back in the day, but there's new listeners out there. Let's talk about what tasting looks like from the very beginning. What should they not be doing? Let's let's start there because a lot of people get hit with that ethanol and they're like, I don't know what you're tasting. I taste poison. Is there a starting? For sure. Let's 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 walk our listeners through a tasting um, mm-hmm. via Sydney. <laughs> via via me. So when I am. Um professionally tasting because not only do I taste for a few, but I also work as a judge and a panelist for uh, the beverage testing Institute here in town. So this is something that I do on a very regular basis um, where I'm tasting a spirit. I'm trying to define what I'm tasting. I'm trying to make a judgment call about whether this is an enjoyable quality product or whether or not I actually want to invest in this. Um, So I, I like a glass that has a tulip shape. Um, Glencairns are great. Um, a wine glass will also work. Um, shot glasses, anything that has um, these vertical walls that don't necessarily funnel aromatics to your nose, you can. It can be a little harder to evaluate that yeah. from a nosing perspective. And nosing is so so important, and I don't think it gets enough uh, attention in the conversation with tasting. Um, your nose is the most critical thing. So taking care of your nose um, and also using some caution when you're nosing is paramount. Uh, if you taste a vodka, a gin, a tequila, and a bourbon side by side, but you plug your nose, you will not be able to discern the differences between them. Mm. Um, because really what you're doing, you're nosing more than you're actually uh, tasting the high proof of alcohol will really interrupt these signals going to your brain. You don't see this with beer or wine, but with high proof spirits, you do. So I like a Glencairn, something that'll funnel those aromatics to my nose a little, little easier. Um, and I find that I need to dial in my nose every single day. So when I'm tasting off the still, if I'm tasting at um, a tasting event, 
uh, I will hold my Glencairn like elbow length away from my nose and I'll just slowly approach. Um, you have to dial your nose in every single day. Uh, you might have allergies one day. You might be coming off of a sinus infection. There might be smoke in the air, uh, something like that. So your nose will be more receptive or less receptive on any given day. So dialing that in is a really crucial first step. Um, breathing in simultaneously through your mouth and nose at the same time. It sounds weird talking about it, but that will help um, disperse ethanol a little bit more. Uh, and you'll be able to pick up more volatile aromatics rather than just ethanol. So having your mouth slightly agape while you're smelling um, and then just taking your time with it. Uh, tasting, I always will uh, taste uh, a spirit three to four times before I make a judgment call uh, and try to define what these flavors are. Uh, so your first sip is what you should warm up your palate with. I've been doing this for almost eight years now. The first sip always tastes like jet fuel. Uh, your tongue needs a minute to get accustomed to what you're putting on it. The second sip, um, you might still get a little bit of a burning sensation. The third and the fourth sip are what I really evaluate. And it's really crucial to breathe deeply as something is on your tongue. Um, oxygenating your palate will allow you to taste much more acutely uh, than if you were holding your breath. Um, so that's how I go and evaluate a spirit. Now, if I'm tasting a bunch of things, like let's say I'm tasting like 10 to 15 barrel samples and I'm trying to pick out single barrels or whatever else. Um, I did that a lot in Florida. I go rapid fire. Um, this is the opposite kind of situation. Um, if you are faced with a lot of the same thing, um, back to back, if you spend too much time on one particular spirit, you're going to really get into your head about it. Uh, so for like barrel picks or whatever, I always tell people if I'm, um, on a barrel pick or if I'm, uh, uh, consulting on one rapid fire, uh, take a sip, think about it for two seconds. Do I like this? Yes or no. And just bam, 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 mm. bam, go down the line. Um, and you see a lot of professionals, especially for larger distilleries. Nicole Austin does this at Dickel when she's tasting like 50 barrels in a day. Um, rapid fire is kind of the best way to go with that. But if you're in your house and you're sipping a bourbon or a rye or whatever else, and you are really wanting to develop a, a palate and a tasting vocabulary, going that slow and steady measured route, really focusing on your breathing, really focusing on caring for your nose. Um, that is kind of the best way. So it depends on what kind of tasting you're trying to do. That's, those are my words of advice. That's beautiful. I, it reminds me of, um, I, I think for us and anyone younger than their thirties, I apologize, but I think anyone 30 and over, I'm 41, we probably got this down a little bit more packed because of our medicine when we were kids was crap mm -hmm. um i don't know what it was just the they flavored them now um so kids medicine still gross my kids still noses and smells and everything you just said you know elbow length bringing it slowly to your nose really considering it i see that in my kid every time he takes medicine um he's really a good nose he, he's probably going to be one of the better tasters out there um nice. but you really have to i tell people when i'm drinking whiskey i'm not immune to ethanol it sucks mm -hmm. nobody likes yeah. ethanol it's 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 it, yeah it burns us all and everybody's like that smooth stupid word um it's all hot you have to yeah. you have to kind of you know it's like eating sunflower seeds you kind of have to peel that shell out of the way and you know, enjoy the flavor and everything else without crunching down on that shell. You kind of do the same thing with the literal poison that's in your mouth and, and you have to experience it that way. I'm probably a bad educator because I say the word poison a lot and you don't want to plug that in your head when you're, um, talk up, talk to me a little bit about the burnout process. I've heard this with distillers and tasters and blenders. Um, is, is the threshold, what's your threshold to where I'm done tasting for the day? Because it's, you can burn yourself out, right? You can go too far. And I don't mean getting yeah, drunk. Really I mean, can. I mean, really just yeah. you're done. So my every single day I'm tasting off the still and I'm spitting. Um, obviously, I'm not trying to get sloshed at work at 9 a.m. <laughs> um, and the proofs that I'm tasting at are going to be anywhere between 100 and 120 proof up to 170. Um, and that will really do a number on your palate if you let it sit on your tongue for longer than a couple of seconds. 
So I really take care. And this is something that I do when I'm training new distillers to make cuts off the still. Like, yeah, we can sit here and slosh this 160 proof alcohol on our palates for like 15 seconds and talk about what we're tasting. You're only going to taste once that day. You're not going to taste much more. Mm. So for me to prevent burnout, I do a lot of nosing because my nose is going to be more reliable and I'm very, very cognizant of how close my glasses and exposing my nose to really high proof vapor. Um, and when I am tasting off the still, I am spitting almost immediately. And my question is, is this good or is this bad? It can be as black and white as that. Do I like what I'm tasting right now or do I not like what I'm tasting? I don't need to define what it is. I don't need to come out with like, oh, this tastes like marzipan coming off the still. No, that's not what I care about at this point. Um, when I'm tasting finished product, like for BTI, um, that oftentimes will be proofed down considerably. Um, so it'll either be at bottle proof or, um, I have the option of adding a little bit more water. Um, so dilution is always your friend in terms of burning mm. out your palate. Uh, even as much as 50% of what it's bottled at is a good way to preserve, uh, your palate there. But there have definitely been times like I sat on a tequila panel and I tasted like 15 to 20 different agave spirits in one day. And then I went and worked whiskey fest that night and people were giving me whiskeys to try. And I'm like, y'all, I can't, I can't taste anything right now. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure it's great. This is fantastic, but I tasted a lot today and it's just, I just need a break. So, um, you really have to kind of monitor your taste buds, uh, and be aware of your burnout threshold. And that'll be different for every single person, but there are things that you can do to kind of take care of yourself and make sure that you don't reach it. So I try to keep that forefront in my brain. I love it. What, uh, what are some your, among your spirits and gin is another one I'm diving into. So anything on in the category, what have, what have your, your, um, per, latest productions have surprised you the most, or have you been in, in love? And we're not supposed to love one kid more than the other, but is there something you're working on or have worked on that really blew your mind? You thought this is my swan song right here. Um, I love rye whiskey so much. So any day that I'm distilling rye over bourbon is an exciting day for me. I think rye tastes more interesting off the still. I think it is a more expressive grain than your regular yellow gent corn. And, you know, take me to bourbon distiller jail for that. But I do love rye whiskey. Um, I always have. So that's always what I kind of gravitate towards. Um, but a lot of my job at FEW is um, doing some product development. Uh, I'm working on a spirit right now that I can't talk too much about, but it is a bourbon base and it is incorporating um, some outside flavors. So it's been fun to kind of treat a whiskey almost like a gin. So it's got some botanicals incorporated in. Um, it's got uh, some alternative proofing liquid. Mm. Uh, so interpret that as you may. Uh, something we do at Few, we make uh, a bourbon that we call the Cold Cut, which is a bourbon whiskey that we proof down coming out of cask with cold brew coffee. And then we make the Eight Immortals Rye Whiskey, which is our rye whiskey that we proof down with uh, cold extracted oolong tea. So I'm doing something similar with this project that I'm currently working on. Hopefully it'll be out in the next year. Um, but it is a collaborative process that has been so exciting. Um, I'm working with a client that I really admire and it's been fun to kind of take tasting notes and things that they enjoy drinking on their own, uh, and translating that into a product for them. So, uh, it's, it's been a really cool, very gratifying process, uh, to, kind of translate their flavors into a liquid, like tangible spirit. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. I love, I love little sneak peeks into, into cool things coming out. Cause, um, I love interesting blends and, and, and I see a lot of people, not a lot, a few people working with tea and things like that recently. And I'm, it's just always exciting. Um, yeah, no, that's pump. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. A lot of bourbon drinkers, I find, especially your traditionalists, really scoff at the idea. They think it's a flavored whiskey. They think it's trash. And there are a lot of flavored whiskeys that are not great on the market. Um, they're not designed to be drank like a uh, like a regular bourbon. They're not designed to be drank as a traditional 
a bourbon or a whiskey or sipped or considered. Um, and that's fine. They occupy, occupy that marketplace. Uh, but it's fun if you're bringing in outside sources of flavor, you're, you're really expanding the Crayola box that you're, you're coloring with, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a fun way to look at whiskey. Um, it's a fun way to kind of bend the rules. You're, you're making it a little something other than what it was, but this is an exciting time. Like, why would you want to just uh, kind of section yourself off into one tiny corner of the market when you can really open up your mind and play around and create some esoteric things and drink some really cool stuff? No, I love so. that. I think, you know, there's this mentality among whiskey drinkers, bourbon drinkers, where it's got to be, they remind me of barbecuers. You know, it's got to be done this way and no other way. But then I think about, I went to this joint in Williamsburg. Um, there's a little barbecue shack there. And uh, their barbecue sauce had a cinnamon or nutmeg in it. It was something very, very different. And I, I don't know if I liked it or did like it. I don't know. I kept eating it. I dipped everything in it. I was just, what is this? It's so unique and different. I think you can do something the same way and tweak it and have fun with it. And I think it comes down to trust. You know, and I yeah. tell people, do you trust the distiller that makes their, you know, the stock bourbon? Do you trust their brand? Yeah, I do. Why wouldn't you trust them playing around with that and doing something else to it? And then you like bourbons. I do like bourbons. Do you like cocktails? Sure. Well, what's the difference between a quality cocktail made with quality ingredients and then this distiller who's a master at their craft tweaking and doing something unique and different? Why hate on that? Um, you really and you're missing out. I'm telling, I'm talking, yeah. to, you know who I'm talking to, listener, in your, <laughs> in your car, think, scoffing this conversation. Uh, you're really missing out on some cool, unique stuff that's being made by geniuses. Why wouldn't you take part in that? Um, I do it. I like to mix stuff in my whiskeys and play around with cocktails and ingredients and flavors. And, you know, I'm a cigar guy. So, you know, I find cigars and certain whiskeys are very interesting in flavor, dark, rich, chocolate notes. So then, I'm, you know, maybe I'll throw a piece of chocolate in my whiskey. You know what I mean? Why not let it kind of dilute in there? Um, it's exactly. delicious. It's delicious. So no, I am I am pro that uh, yeah that, that that angle. And we got to do something different. We got to be different. You can't just keep making the same thing over and over again. Not to put exactly. you not to put you on the spot, Sydney, but I I want I want to ask you, who is your hero in the in the whiskey world or in the spirits world in general? Who who's your because we all have our rock stars, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's hard for me to answer that question now. Jim McEwen used to be, you know, to me, the lay, he still is. But I've met so many cool, interesting people. It's a very difficult question to answer. So if you're like, Bobby, I can't name one um, and you want to chicken out, that's fine. Um, but who would you say? Who is your who is your your uh, Deepak Chopra? Of, uh, it's so hard to say because... A lot of these people that I really admired as a baby distiller, like I'm now friends with and I text them and that's just really mm -hmm. bizarre to me. Um, and there's just so many. That's the thing. Everyone is making so many different things in such unique ways uh, that it's hard to pick just one person. Um, I love Lisa Wicker. I know her very well. Um, I call her a lot uh, and talk to her. Um, Nicole Austin is also incredible. Mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of, um, presenting a panel with her at a conference last year. Uh, Todd Leopold as well. He's a teddy bear of a man and I have so much respect for what he does. Um, there, uh, there's just so many at this point. Uh, Molly Troop out yes. in uh, Portland. Um, she make some of the coolest gin I've ever seen. And she's developing a really, really solid whiskey program as well. Uh, and she's really one to watch. The whole Freeland team is the one to watch out there on the Pacific Northwest. Uh, in terms of like those old faithful uh, people that like we've known in the industry, I am so in love with Jimmy Russell. Yeah. <laughs> I, I met him once before I really started professionally distilling and I was so starstruck by him. He was in the wild turkey gift shop. And I just said, this is a nice place you have here, sir. That's all I could get out. Like in, in the halls of wild turkey. And he just kind of like chuckled at me and I, I was about to take a tour and I couldn't get anything signed. Um, but I admire him and wild turkey 
you so much. Um, and then everyone at Heaven Hill, like mm-hmm. uh, Connor O'Driscoll is an incredible guy. He's um, he's amazing. The whole Heaven Hill team is incredible. They produce some of the best whiskeys in the world, and I drink so much of what they make and they are so influential on me and as a distiller uh it's yeah it, there's honestly it's too i could go on another hour with people that, that i was, admire in this industry that, that list um that list was incredible everyone on that list is, is amazing <laughs> i i've had the pleasure of meeting a few of them um one of my favorite people i've ever met uh was booker Um, I met him at Jim Beam and, you know, um, Freddie was there and his, you know, his, his, the whole family was there, but Booker and his wife were there. Um, and they're, I I mean, I'm pretty sure he's somewhat, he's retired or moved. I don't, I don't know if he still takes part in it, but I was telling him, you know, Booker is one of my favorite whiskeys that's out there. And he tells me, Oh, you, you get it, you get it out there where you live. I I didn't know they had it on the shelves. And I'm thinking this is the most humble, like, yes, they have it on the shelves. Your, your whiskey's everywhere. You're not some small time distiller anymore, sir. But, uh, he, he, he's an icon in this industry and I think he's paved a way for a lot of people. Sydney, I'm going to say something cheesy and I want you to take this to heart. Hopefully you're somebody's and or will be somebody's number one if you're not already one day you absolutely will and every distiller out there that 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 has at one point shook their head to that statement too um all the people you just named um at one point said the same thing they were you know how I, i'm i'm just a distiller making a spirit you are more than that and you're doing something really cool i i came to you a lot of people we have on the show come to me and to come on the show which i love I actually sought you out because I was so excited about what you're doing. And I believe in so much of what you're doing. Your whiskey's incredible. It's on my shelf. It stays on my shelf. I pass it around when people come over. You're the next person to keep an eye on. Um, so you're killing. So this is, this is my, this is my thank you and uh, to you. And, and I'm really appreciative of you for you, for you to come on the show. Um, I could talk to you for hours but statistically, people stop listening to podcasts after about 40 minutes. So, um, but no, I, I wanted to get that out. And uh, yeah, I poured it on thick there, but I mean it with all my heart. Um, Sydney, where can, yeah. w- no, thank you. Thank you. Um, where can people find you? Where can people follow? I mean, tell us a little bit about the website, what's coming, yeah. you know, what's coming out, but I mean, what to look out for, what's on the shelves right now, what should people be drinking? Um, outside the typical bourbons. I mean, I said it before, that single malt is incredible. Your ryes yeah. are really good. Um, I haven't had your gin yet, but I'm I'm putting my toe in the gin water, folks. I'm trying. Listeners, you've hit me up with gin, 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 and I hated gin, but I learned I hated yeah. London dry gin, um, mm-hmm. and not all gins taste the same, so I can't wait to try your gin, which is my next, um, probably today I'll go buy some um, and go from there if I recover from this hangover in time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, if you're in the Chicagoland area, unfortunately the distillery isn't open to the public anymore. Um, we, we did have to close our tasting room based on some silly Illinois state laws. Uh, so we can't do tours or tastings like that anymore. Um, but most of your major retailers like Benny's, uh, total wine, like they're very good. They carry a few. Um, you can find us in all 50 States. We're in 36 countries. Um, if you're unsure of where to find us in your town, if you go to our website, um, there's a handy dandy tab that'll tell you where to find our bottles. Um, I highly suggest che- checking out our bottled and bond products. Mm-hmm. If they're not in your market, you can request them. The bottled and bond bourbon and the bottled and bond rye are so outstanding. We're so proud of them. Um, if you are in the Chicagoland area and you can find it, um, We've sold out of the first release, but there will be subsequent releases in the future. We are creating a rye whiskey that has been partially fermented with koji, which is a Japanese mold spore. Uh, it's the first of its kind. We built the largest koji propagation room in North America, and that's the brainchild of my uh, head of operations, Riley Henderson, and it is one of the coolest rye whiskeys on the market. It's called Serial Killer. So if you can find it, buy it. It's really cool. Um, and if you are a whiskey drinker who is also trying to get into gin like you, uh, barrel aged gin is your best friend. That is what you should be searching out. It is the perfect love child between gin 
and whiskey, and I cannot sing its praises enough. We make a really outstanding barrel-aged gin. Um, and since you mentioned it, our single malt is really cool. We're continuing to develop that program. Um, it's a very limited release, but we do send it out into other markets. So if you see it, buy it because it is one of those highly allocated things that we don't make a whole lot of, but what we do make some of, it's very special. Um, 100% cherry wood smoked uh, malted barley mm-hmm. in that product. It's it's the gospel, folks, and it is hard <laughs> to find. Um, I was given a bottle, so... Um, I don't know. Find somebody to give you a bottle if you can't if you can't find it on the shelf. Um, well, and if you can't find that, I will say uh, if you go and search the Good Deeds Malt Whiskey, uh, this is a project that we did with the Step Up Foundation that provides uh, fully paid salaries to interns in the distilling industry um, from non traditional uh, populations, so people of color, women. This provides an entryway for them into the distilling industry. And their salary is 100% paid for by the Good Deeds Spirit. So the first one that we ever did was a collaboration of several distilleries blending their single malts together. uh, And the proceeds of that are covering the Step Up Foundation. So Good Deeds Single Malt, you can find few single malt blended into that. So if you can't find a regular single malt, the Good Deeds Single Malt is what you should be looking out for. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's so cool. Thank you for giving back. Um, Sydney, it has been uh, uh, it has been a pleasure. Um, and to the listeners out there, again, go check out if you haven't already. I mean, most people I know have had few and are, are fans. Um, if you haven't already, go get some. Follow Sydney. She's doing really cool stuff. Her and her team are doing really cool stuff. The brand is growing. It's getting, it's, it's, it's big. It's out there. So you can't miss it. Um, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It, it's all in the chase. Uh, go chase it. Thanks, chasers. Sydney, thank you so much. Thank you. You almost made me cry there oh, for a minute, no. dude. Oh, I meant <laughs> every. I meant every word of it. You really are. You really are a rock star. I, 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 Thank you. It's, it's-